You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their lives and families. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Todd Lesher. It's great to be with you, as always. Today, we are with Robbie Fisher, one of my friends and the pastors on staff at Forest Hill, and we're going to be talking about raising kids the wise way. So we're going to be looking at a verse from the wisdom section of the Bible in the book of Proverbs. Before we discuss our verse, Robbie, give us a little background on the books of Proverbs and why it is so relevant for our lives today. Uh, Proverbs, to me, it describes life as a path rather than as um, specific to-dos or even even sometimes we want to grab hold of certain promises Mm -hmm. or we want to grab hold of... Uh, yeah, if I do this uh, formulas, if I do these three things, then it's all going to work out. And Proverbs really allows you to see life as a path. I think I'm stealing mm. that line from Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a way to live, yeah. especially in the gray areas, whereas uh, most of life is lived in the gray areas, not actually the black and white. So, for example, if your boss is causing havoc with your life, mm. when should you talk to him? Or should you talk to him? How would you go about talking to him? What would be the words that you would use? All of that is gray. We can't actually turn to a scripture yeah. and tell us what should you say to your boss on such and such day. So Proverbs really helps you live out that idea of a path yeah, I like of a that. journey. Yeah, principles for life. Yes, that's okay. right. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So the verse we're discussing today has a lot to say to parents, and it comes from Proverbs 22, verse 6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what do you think the author was emphasizing in this verse? So I'm going to put it into kind of two categories. I see it as a training and okay. A trust. Okay. So let me talk about the, the training first. Um Let's say, for example, that you want to get in shape. So you're going to hire somebody to, you know, put you through a routine. Yeah. If you show up at Gold's Gym Mm -hmm. and Gold uh, weighs a lot of pounds and Mm -hmm. uh, he has a Cheeto ring uh, on his uh, (laughs) lips and hasn't worked out within the last couple of years, you're probably going to feel like you're not making a good investment. Yeah. The reason is because we know that trainers first of all, have to be trained. Mm. They are the kind of people who could train you. So if I use this passage to talk about the aspect of training, then we're being called in two areas. Train with God, train with our spouse. Mm. So I love this verse, Titus uh, 2, 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Yeah. So in other words, training is from is a gift from God. It's based on the grace of God, but it calls us to go deeper and have Christ as our foundation, as mm. our center. Yeah. So we're called, first of all, to train and 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 absolutely be abiding in Christ. Yeah. That's how you can be a trainer to your kids is being trained by going deeper with That's Christ. That's good, yeah. Secondly, a lot of, a lot of people um, miss this, uh, that you are also training with your spouse. Hmm. 
the number one relationship priority, humanly speaking, in the family is uh, the, the married couple. Yeah. And the parents uh, working together and being on the same team. So one of my favorite parenting passages, if you will, is Ephesians 521 mm-hmm. that says, submit to yes. one another yes. out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Um, so as a couple, we're called to open our hands to each other and submit. And, you know, marriage is like marrying a full-length mirror. Mm-hmm. So your love loved one sees everything, knows your ulterior motives lots of times, and you're still called to submit to that person. And as you do that together, you now become on the same page. You're serving one another. Yeah. And by the way, if that sounds too easy, I mean, so too difficult, or if I'm describing it in an easy way, um, that little phrase at the end, out of reverence for Christ, really kind of shows you this is a miracle. Yeah. If you live a life of submission to one another, that would be miraculous. Mm. That would be a gift to your kids, but it would be miraculous. And it can only happen out of reverence for Christ, out of absolute dependence on him. Mm. So the first half of this passage then is about training, training with God, training with people, but then, I mean, with your spouse, but then the second aspect is trust. Yeah. So it says, the end of the verse says, and they will not depart Mm -hmm. and he will not depart from it. Well, who's sees the end of the story? Mm -hmm. Only God almighty. Yeah. So immediately it puts you into a place of this is really a story of trust. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking about the church. And he says, I planted, but this other apostle, Apollos, watered, but God brought the harvest. At the end of the day, it's not about you being a great trainer. You can only be a faithful trainer. That's all you can do. It's about trusting that God is telling the story mm, through your that's kids. That's good, yes. So yeah. if you don't put the pressure on yourself to be more than you're supposed to. You are not a savior. You're a trainer. Mm-hmm. So be the best trainer you can. Yep. But at the end, they will not depart from the story because God has their story in hand. Yeah. So i got a couple of illustrations of my kids just for the um, fun of it. Mm-hmm. One is... Allie, my oldest, was being babysat uh, back in the day um, by uh, um, Amy, Amy, the babysitter. You know Amy, the babysitter. Yeah, yeah, we all do. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they were out for a bike ride. Janet was out of town. I was out of town. And uh, they went on a bike ride and actually were they fell off the bike hmm. behind a car that was reversing out of the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. And the car rolled up on Allie's leg. And stopped just split second before would have mm. crushed her leg. Yeah. Janet called me that day and she said, let me tell you, Allie's fine. Mm. Like, okay, that's mm-hmm. good. Now what I'm going to tell you is really going to put you in trauma. Mm-hmm. And she told me the story. And immediately we went to the place of, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Mm. Because I can't be everywhere that my kids yeah. are. Yeah. God is the one parenting. I'm a steward. I'm a trainer. But at the end of the day, God is the one telling the story. Mm. So that's an example of I can't be everywhere and I'm trusting that God's telling the story. But I didn't know that God was going to, that that was going to be the story. Let me tell another one about my youngest daughter, Mm -hmm. Ryan. Mm -hmm. 
she, um, when she was graduating from high school, she loves uh, American Sign Language, the deaf community. She was invited to go on a mission trip to Honduras, which yeah. she was the only hearing person on the trip. Hmm. I knew no one. Wow. Honduras is a big country, mm -hmm. and none of us had ever been at that point. Our church had not even been. And it took everything to say, okay, but who's leading this trip? Is it God? Hmm. Or am I trying to broker the deal and make sure that everything works out well? Yeah. And it, we really had to come to the place of saying, train up a child so that she has a heart for ministry, for the caring for the deaf and compassion, and then God is the one that's at the end and will not let her depart. Mm, so, yeah. You know, kind of a light bulb is going off in my brain, and I've, I've been learning in kind of my own personal growth here about, you know, how I influence people is the thing that I need to focus on most is my character, mm. is if I grow in character, then my influence is going to be positive. Mm -hmm. But if I allow my character to deteriorate, then I will start influencing people in a negative way. Right. So when it comes to what we talk about parenting all the time, we say that parents are the spiritual leaders of their home, mm -hmm. of their families. That's a daunting task. Mm -hmm. And there is no manual for parenting. And so when it talks about how do I train to be a parent, if I've never been a parent before, or <laughs> when the next child comes and yep, you say, yep. I don't feel like I did a good job with the first child. How am I supposed to remedy this for the next one? And on and on we go. But what the verse is saying, what you're saying mm. is grow in character, mm -hmm. in our abiding in Christ, and the overflow mm. will be influential, positive, wow. healthy parenting. That's what you're saying. That's exactly right. And it's that trust, it's that vision that influences your character yeah. now. So we won't have parenting figured out, mm. right? But as we grow in our character, we'll influence how we parent. Mm-hmm. So we may not know all the right strategies or techniques, but if our character is aligning with Christ mm -hmm. over and over and over and on a daily basis, then it will influence how we parent and how we train That's beautiful. up our children. I love that. So light bulbs are just like, like yeah. exploding in my brain. And a cool bonus, Little, it, it, if you work on trusting that God is telling the story, it's actually making you a better trainer. Yes. It's developing yes. Yep. you mm -hmm. back to the beginning thing of, of you are now abiding more centrally in Christ, which makes you a better trainer. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a, a cyclical, um, you know, cycle. Right, right, right. You know, that puts it back right in there. Yeah, so they both beautiful. influence each other. The trust right. influences training, training influences the trust, you yeah. know? That's right. That's really good. So you shared a couple stories about how it uh, has, you know, demonstrated itself in your family, but what would you say how it applies to our parents today? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to throw out two aspects. Um, one, I think we are called to live it, mm -hmm. to live this principle out. Yep. You can't pass on what you don't yep. have. Yep. You can't give grace if you don't have grace, if mm. you've not received it. I've said this to mothers many times, if you pass the mirror and you practice saying mean things about yourself, mm. then you can't actually say good things about your kids yeah. because it's fabric. The more you receive the grace of God, the more you live this out, mm. um, which Titus 2 mm -hmm. says it's the grace of God yep. that's appeared that's calling us to this godly training. Yeah. 
the more that you receive that grace, the more that you can, through your fabric, pass it mm. to your kids. Yep. So living this out, and to your spouse. Yep. So living it out is so key. You have to abide in this grace. Um, I'm reminded of this song by Don Henley, uh, The Heart of the Matter. Mm-hmm. He says this line that's just astounding. He almost sounds like a prophet. How can love survive in such a graceless age? Wow. Yep. The only way that love can survive in our culture is the grace of God. Mm, That's yeah. the only way love could actually flourish. So the first thing is live it. And then I'm going to put out another thing. Be it. Hmm. I know this sounds like a pastoral term, live it, be it. <laughs> but here's what I mean by be it. So we, um, I, I've got three examples. When, when my kids, so I had two girls, when they started getting of certain age, um, we created a date day with dad. Mm. So once a week, I took the girls. Janet uh, worked. Janet did other things. But I was the primary caregiver. And we got into all kinds of trouble. We walked the mall and yeah. smelled the different scents of the coffee green beans mm-hmm. and landed in the Disney store and watched a video. And we, we did all of these things together. Yeah. What it allowed me to do is to be connected with them and know their story. Yeah. So one of the things that we always did was we went to MJ Donuts on 521. Mm-hmm. Go there if you have never been. Yeah. It's amazing. Go MJ's. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so every, every week we would go there. When my oldest daughter was graduating from high school, she said, you know where I want us to go today? back to MJ Donuts. We hadn't been in six, seven years. Mm. And so that just affirmed to me that they remembered the stories that we started. So I literally became part of the story of here's how we're going to live it, just side by side, walking along. A second thing is Janet gave me a challenge. Probably this is 1997. The kids were five and three. And she said, why don't we read through a Bible, mark it up, journal it. Yeah, I love this. And then yeah. give it to the, our kids when they're 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So it took us three years the first time. Yeah. It took us three years to go through the Bible. She'd read Isaiah, I'd read Isaiah, and then we'd switch Bibles back and forth. Mm-hmm. And when um, the kids were 16, they each got one. Allie took it to college with her. Mm-hmm. By this time, Genesis is removable. Yeah. Like literally the pages are falling out. Yeah. So a year and a half ago, she's married now. Mm-hmm. A year and a half ago, she said, here's what I want for my Christmas present. That Bible rebound. Hmm. It went to college with her. It's gone into marriage with her. Yep. And it costs like $250 to rebind <laughs> a Bible. I can buy you five more, <laughs> but I can't. Um, Seriously. Yeah. Yep. Replace your parents' notes yep. and their prayers for you. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the amazing thing. Self-management is difficult. I can do something good for my kids. It's harder for me to get myself on track. But as you well know, you and I share this together. Mm-hmm. I'm reading the Bible through now for the 15th time. Yeah. And it started that reading. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though I'm a pastor and play a pastor in my real life, disciplines are not easy just yeah. because you are a pastor or you're a lawyer or anything. Yeah. And so it's really helped me. So I would say, again, that's an example of maybe a way that you can connect with your kids and be with them. Yeah. Last one is this. 
I was a youth pastor for 25 years, and I know this principle for teenagers. They need 13 compliments mm. for every one character challenge, yep. which is almost another miracle if you could possibly see that. Yeah, definitely. But if your kids have the fingerprints of Christ all over them, if they were created in his image and with his love, there are so many things that are exploding with purpose and meaning and direction. Yeah. So make sure that you're noticing more of the things that they're doing well, that are becoming who they are, and less of the things like the clothes that don't match, etc. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are really great examples. I love the Bible one and I've I tried to do that myself and my my boys look at those Bibles and they go, "Which one's mine? Which one's mine?" You know, what does it say? What does it say? So I can't wait to do that I love as that. well. I love that. When I when I read this verse, if I'm honest, I have a little trouble with it mm. because it looks too easy. Yeah. And so is it a promise or is it a reality check? Yeah, I think for sure it's it's a reality check. It's a kick in the rear. Mm. I think it's um, it's a calling. Okay. So you are being called to be this kind of person that is a trainer. Yeah. You're you're called into a role, a specific role as a parent. There's a, a, a principle. God gives delivers a parent to a child, and then through that parent training, a message, mm-hmm. love, yep. warmth. But the first gift that God gives is the parent. Mm. And sometimes we kind of duck that. But that's a real calling, a real role that he gives us to be in their life as trainers, as caregivers. Um, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, if you want to just get downright honest, it's a command. Mm. This is what yep. a parent is supposed to be, yep. a trainer, not a buddy, yeah. not um, and somebody that's cool, but somebody that's training them all, I think it's what you said, you know, good leadership is about investing in someone to make them better. Mm -hmm. And that's what parenting really is. Yeah, training them for life. Yeah. So it's a reality check for sure. So what is the verse warning us Mm. of? Okay, so here's what I, one of the key things that I think as parents we can do, we can vacillate between um, either disengaging or trying to grab inauthentic control. Okay. So as a trainer, if you get that picture, you know that it's not you lifting the weights, working out, yep. getting the thing. It's more like a coach. Mm. And I know that if I'm being paid to be a trainer, yep. right? So if if I, that's my role, the, the difficulty is we're so invested and we love our kids so much that when they get a certain age and they want to do their own thing, we are tempted to do one of two things. Either to say, I will make you do this. Yeah. And I will control this situation. Or I'm going to let you go. And you go do whatever you want and see what happens. See what the consequences, see if you like that. Hmm. And neither of those did God choose at the cross. Yeah. At the cross, Jesus did not take our sins lightly, but also didn't remove himself from us. Hmm. Instead, he moved in towards yep. us. Yep. So I think this passage actually calls us to be engaged, but engaged at the right level. Mm-hmm. Not actually doing it yourself, but staying involved and continue to believe and, and fight for the for the heart of the of your kids, yeah. your children. That's a good distinction that you make between training and controlling. And that control 
ignores or removes the trust component that you talked about at the beginning. And so if you're overly controlling, then we lose the trust component there. Does the verse want us to have a vision for the future of our kids, or is it more about the responsibility of parenting now? Yeah. So I think it's seeing the end game. Mm. So I had, um, as a youth pastor, I had one of my teenagers one time, he was he was 18 years old, and he, he made a terrible choice. He went out partying and was doing something while he was driving. Very bad choice. His parents decided to ground him for the summer. Hmm. He was 18. He was headed to college in the fall. Yeah. But he was grounded for the summer. And it always hit me a little sideways because as soon as he went to college, mm. he went crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're really, really called to see the end in mind and almost, if you could, if you could amortize out where the kid is age-wise and where you want them to be Mm long-term. Let's take, for example, choices. Making good choices is like lifting weights. It's a muscle. It's a muscle that you have to resist against the peers You have to resist against the crowd, the popularity of things going on. You have to resist some of the things, buckethead decisions Mm -hmm. you want to make, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a muscle that has to be worked. The parents cannot um, create that muscle by saying, don't do this, don't be tempted by this, and don't give in to that. Mm -hmm. Instead, you have to allow your kids to be in places Mm. where it's actually working the muscle, sometimes failing. Yeah. You know, if you really boil down uh, a workout, you're tearing down muscle to build it up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some of the decisions that your kids make, even though they're throwing you for a loop and they're hard to walk with, they're developing character. You can only um, see consequences when it happens to you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't even visualize it. Yeah. So sometimes one of the best gifts is making a bad decision and feeling the consequence and never going that way again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as a parent, we just kind of almost want to alleviate any suffering, any pain, any struggle our kids have, mm-hmm. and it's to their detriment. Yeah. So this verse is really calling us to see the end game. In the end, they won't depart. It's not today. They might be in big struggle today. Yep. They might not be sure if they believe today. Yeah. But allowing them to struggle and work through that and not shut that down in your presence is yep. a good gift. Yep. Because now you actually get to be a part of it instead of waiting until they're at Chapel Hill next year mm-hmm. uh, with Professor Bart Ehrman, who yep. will talk them out of a lot of good things. Yeah. Well, then the scripture tell us that we we all need to work out our salvation. Mm. So there's a personal ownership to that. So if parents make all the decisions for their child, then how are they actually applying their faith to their own lives? We have to give our kids the chance to live out their faith and then train them when they slip up, when they sin, when they fail, which is going to happen, right? right. It happens in our lives as parents, and it's going to happen in our kids' lives. Mm -hmm. It's that training component, but we have to give them the chance to live out their faith. That's totally right. And I think there is what you're hitting on, too, is as parents being real, Yep. because God has an end game for you, too. Yes. Part of this training is messing up as well Mm -hmm. of, oh, kids, I, I can't believe that I shut you down there. I didn't listen here. And the more you're honest 
with your progress walking towards faith, walking towards Christ, um, and God at work in you, the better it is, the more efficient you are in training. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, I think that is worth repeating that just as we believe God is not done with your kids, parents, God is not done with you either. Correct. So do not lose hope. I like that. Well, what are some healthy components of raising kids in a way, in the way they should go? Okay. Um, Reggie Joyner talks about a couple of these. Um, one of them is a rhythm of life. Yeah. Creating great events, great memorable uh, stories, trips. Hmm. You, you know, sometimes we want to create experiences outside of us. And um, I think the more the more you invest in your kids and experiencing that together, serving, mm-hmm. caring with them is is long time beneficial. So I created the rhythms on the days off. Mm. Yep. Even just smelling coffee right. grounds and right. you know, and seeing how many different kind of cars yeah. that we could see with the Volkswagen. Those mm. kind of habits. Yeah. And, you know, vacations, trips as well. Those are those are just great. A second thing is you being involved in the community of the church as a trainer. Yes. If yes. you're involved in life groups. So for example, because I have two girls, this is my wife's story, but she had a life group that met at our house. She didn't join the life group to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. But as a result, my kids would come in. They thought they were part of the life group. Yep. Janet almost had to say, hey, leave. You're not part of this group right here. Um, and so... The funny thing is we had five or six, seven, eight parents mm-hmm. who could speak to our kids when we couldn't. Yeah. When our children wouldn't listen to us, they would listen to these other ladies yep. in amazing ways. And in fact, they called a couple of them mom. Yeah. And so that was a beautiful thing. So when you are in, involved in the life of the church, involved in good things, serving mm-hmm. and caring, your kids get to actually participate in that, even to like a life group. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned Reggie Joyner, and he's helped our whole staff really with family ministry kind of understand what we should be aiming at, working towards to help the church and the family partner together to influence their children. And he says what you, exactly what you just said is the two wins for parents is greater presence in their kids' lives, these mm-hmm. smelling the coffee beans or That's going right. to the pet store or That's right. sharing a rhythm together and their connection with the community of faith. Mm-hmm. And so that just perfect description of kind of the healthy behavior um, that we think of. So thank you for elevating those things. And maybe this is just a different angle of the question and maybe it's redundant, but what should parents prioritize in their families and in their homes? Mm-hmm. Well, let me capitalize on that idea of time. Yeah. Andy Stanley, a pastor in in Atlanta, says you actually, as a parent, have control. If you could almost see him like shower dials, you have control of your time. Yeah. You have control um, of of who's influencing your kids to a certain degree. And which one of us wouldn't, if we thought through our relationships, wish that our parents had maybe minimalized Mm. some Mm. of the bad influences in our life and if they had turned up yep. the dial of themselves. Yep. So you have a chance as a parent to turn up the dial of your time with your kids. Mm. Now, your kids, when they're younger, they're like 
puppies. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get these great <laughs> yeah. puppies running around. Yep. Daddy's home. Yep. And it makes you feel like the king, right? Later on, they turn into cats. Yep. And I don't even like cats. But if I'll treat my child like that species, then I look for the right opportunities to insert myself with time. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to time. And what I'm doing with my time would be a great thing if I'm being compassionate. Yep. So the kids are serving with me at the HRC or in different kind of capacities if they're involved in generosity. Mm. So one year, our family didn't have Christmas. Instead, we built a well wow. in Africa. Yeah. And so that's a, something our kids remember years and years later. Um, and then worshiping. Yep. The, the kids see you involved in worship. They see you um, honoring God. Yeah. So give us some pictures or stories of families who have seen this verse fleshed out in a positive way. Okay, so um, I have this picture. I'm, I'm going to go through the, the several things that I just said of, of how to influence your kids with the family of Bob and Susie Weiler. Okay. So this is, <laughs> yeah. this is close to yeah, our some heart. Some good friends of ours. Yep. Yep. Andrew Weiler is um, you know, a leader in our church. Yep. So I want to tell you a couple of things that I saw hmm. his, his parents do. Number one, um, when I talk about being involved in the things that your kids love, so we were at a Vigilantes of Love concert that our church hosted. It's a kind of a loud concert, Mm -hmm. not the kind of music that Bob Weiler listens to. Yeah. But as I, and the whole youth group was there, Andrew, of course, was on the front row in the mosh pit, and I looked back and there was Bob in the back. Hmm. So I walked back, I said, Bob, I didn't know you liked Vigilantes of Love, and he said, I just make a habit of being where my kids are. Hmm. I just want to enjoy yeah. what they enjoy. Yeah. Wow. To go outside of what you prefer yep. and to be connected with your kids in that way is amazing. Uh, secondly, Bob and Susie have hosted maybe 10 different individual fam- families or couples or individuals from different countries. Yeah. While the kids were growing up, they had people living hmm. at their house all the time. Yep. The reason why they see the world as inviting, the reason why they go on mission trips, the reason they're involved with world issues of compassion yep. and love is because Bob and Susie allowed the world to live in their house. Hmm. And over and over, they received folks, they were generous, they were welcoming, yep. and they lived it out. I even lived there at one point. Yes, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're you're from Connecticut, so that's, that's right. Yeah, foreign that's, country. That's a foreign something. Um, lastly, they were always involved in church. Yep. Uh, Andrew and his brother Maddie always saw his parents yeah. shutting the church down. Yeah. They were volunteers in every capacity, all all over the place, and seeing that faithfulness. I think, influenced them in such a way. So they've Mm. always been kind of my example. Oh, man. Uh, Bob and Susie, thank you so much for being a beautiful picture of what it means to train up a child. Robbie, uh, give us a final piece of encouragement for our parents as we wrap it up. All right. um, I'm going to quote Ephesians 4.29, which says, basically, watch your mouth, watch the words coming out of your mouth, only use them as they build up others. Mm. And I'm going to say... As a, a parent, many times, this, this is what our calling is, to encourage our kids' faith and watch our own behavior. Mm. Sometimes we actually 
tend to watch their behavior yeah. and get our own needs met. So, for example, I came back from a, a mission trip maybe 20 years ago, and I had Daddy Day with my girls. So they're driving in the, they're riding in the back seat, and they start arguing. And as I'm driving down the road, they're arguing so much that I said, okay, girls, you just bought 15 minutes of silence. To which my oldest daughter replied, <laughs> it's a free country. <clears throat> so in that moment, uh-huh. if, if I could get outside of myself, I'm in turmoil. Am I a bad dad? Am I losing control? Am I missing all of the basics of Christianity by, by doing this? I really want to respond to her to get my needs met, that I'm a good dad. Yeah. And this passage calls me to slow down and see what she needs to be trained in Hmm. to get all that she needs to walk in Christ. It might be a a major correction, but she might be saying in an illegitimate way, Hmm. Dad, you've been gone for three weeks on that mission trip. Are you always going to be gone? Or are you ever coming back? Hmm. And so it really kind of pushed me to a place, again, that the bottom line with parenting is for us to to step into that role again of being a trainer, which means watch my behavior and see what I can use to help them grow their muscles in Christ. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Robbie. Would you say a prayer for our parents as we wrap it up? Yeah, absolutely. Father, thanks for your grace. You are amazing. You are a great storyteller, and you put us in stories in families and churches and communities to honor yourself and to draw us to yourself. Would you empower the parents that are listening now that they would uh, be strengthened by your word, be strengthened by their calling, their role as trainers, and that you would equip them with everything they need. Give them favor with their kids. Give them compassion for their kids during these bumpy times. And would you be pleased with this next generation being raised up to honor you? Thank you for your goodness. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Parent on, parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org.